Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish, and it's just a sad day. I just gotta be honest, it's a sad day, because after nine weeks of going through the book, Abraham, A Field Guide to Loving God, we are done with our sermon series, which is the end of a personal odyssey for me. More than two years ago, I pitched this idea to Steve and to the teaching team, and more than a year ago, I started working on the book. It's been a long labor of love, and now, in the words, the immortal words of Boys to Men, we have come to the end of the road. But although they can't let go, we're going to have to. So to help us let go, I've just gone around to some of the teachers who have gone through this content and helped teach this content on the weekends and just ask them, what are some takeaways that you have now that we've completed the sermon series? So I just took the mic and just went around. I talked to Ruth Nazanin, who's in charge of our college crew and, and helped serve at our high school ministry at the Saratoga campus. Talked to David Kim, Jay Kim. I talked to Steve. And I talked to Sarah Lee, who was my editor for the book. And so she's been on this project for a long time. And in talking to them, it was my hope that as they shared the lessons that they learned from this book, that it would help me say goodbye. That they would teach me how to say goodbye. We're going to teach them how to say teach goodbye. Teach them how to say goodbye. Okay, that was a bit melodramatic. Um, anyway, enough samples. Let's get into it. Here's Ruth, Jay, David, Steve, and Sarah on the afterward. Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterward. Here, this is your first time appearing on the show. It is my first time. Uh, this is Ruth Nazanin. Yes. She is what we call our Assyrian princess. That's is that the <laughs> title that you want to be called, or is that just just the reality and the truth? I appreciate that you didn't say Persian princess. Oh no no no, yeah. that's Kavon. He's our Persian princess. He is yes, but I am the Assyrian princess, so we're neighbors. Yeah, ne almost the same region. Almost the same. Same region. Almost the same region. <laughs> Um, do you want to explain why you want people to call, call you that? Just because I speak Assyrian. You do. I'm not from Syria. No, that's a different nation that's completely state. completely different. Yeah. But... We are now getting into Middle Eastern mm -hmm. geopolitical reality. Yeah, yeah, boy, that's rough. Okay, yeah. so Assyria was a nation that actually no longer exists. No longer exists. But it was an empire mm -hmm. in the Middle East through Iran... Yeah. Um, all the actually all the way through Israel, it, the entire region was conquered, but it's no more. We don't exist except <laughs> me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you were the last. It's like the last of the Mohicans, the last of the Assyrians. That didn't go well. Okay. No, that, did it go well? I think that goes yeah. well. Okay, it, I'm just saying that you're the last <laughs> of the Assyrians. Yeah. But um, so how? But it's a people group, mm -hmm. and it's a language. Yes. And there's some cultural stuff to it. 
Did you ever go to like cultural school or Assyrian no, school? Because no. there's such a thing, right? It, there is such a thing. You know, I was born and raised in LA, so that's a culture within itself. Right. And my parents were born and raised in Iran, which is still so different from who we are as Assyrians. So all that I learned was in the household that I grew up in. Mm. And so I was never able to, I was not allowed to speak English in the house. So that's how I still know how to speak Assyrian to this day. It's how I communicate with my mom. And it's how we kept our language because it's basically a dead language. Like, right. we don't have books it's, sitting around. It's and, in the Arabic tongue, though. Right? Um, so it's adjacent to some Arabic languages or not really? A little bit of Arabic, a little bit of Hebrew even. Oh, really? Yeah. Like when I was... It's um, called Semitic languages? Is that the... In, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a linguist. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But like when I sat and I watched Passion of the Christ when I was a kid and the subtitles were in English and they were speaking in the languages that they were speaking in, there were certain words that were very close to Assyrian. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know what they're saying. I know that word. I know what Jesus is saying. I know that word. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Very cool. All right. Now, let's explain to folks what you do. Actually... That would take 10 hours. You do so much. You're head of college crew, yes. which is for our college folks. 18 to 21. Right. But you also help with the high school ministry. I do. And so so you're basically mentoring folks from ninth grade all the way through college. Basically a bridge between those yep. life stages. And it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me <laughs> humbled, but it's adventurous and sure. I love adventures. So. so during this time, you have taught through, in both places, mm-hmm. gone through the book Abraham. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, like, what takeaways as we leave this series, like, what, what takeaways are going to stay with you? Oh, or yeah. what takeaways have stuck um, or have helped those two demographics, which are, are young people? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for shouting out Mom Jeans and Avocado Toast. I did. I appreciate that. I did. Shout out. But um, There's lots of shout outs there just lots, for you. Lots. The I R&B hits. All Ooh, of it. Come on. Yeah. Taking you back. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got to look back into that moment when... God calls Abraham for the first time in Genesis 12. And when they move from their hometown to Canaan, um, in the message translation, in that part of the verse, it describes that movement from Abraham's hometown to Canaan as safe and sound. And he got to Canaan safe and sound. And when I think of the entire book that you wrote and then just going through the life of Abraham, Even when he didn't know, at least he knew that he will get there safe and sound. Wow. And when I look back into my life and, you know, bits and pieces of it, um, but when I look back into my life and where I'm at now, I think that's the best way to even describe my relationship with the Lord and in the highs and lows and in my own field guide um, that I've been through that the Lord has kept me safe and sound. And that's been particularly difficult for you just even, and some folks don't know your story, but your Mm -hmm. dad died when you were very young. Yeah. um, Passed away suddenly when you were 10, 11. Yeah, 10 years old. And so there must have been times when you wondered, will I be safe and sound? Yeah. Will I ever be safe and sound? And growing up, going through my teenage years and even in my adult life, there has never been, I think, a time where I can sit and like sit back and feel comfortable if I knew that I had to do it on my own. Right. So that's when everything goes out the window for me, and that's when the Lord comes in and just that affirmation of like, Ruth, I see you. 
I know you and you will be and you are safe and sound. Wow. And so that resonated with me a lot. And it must resonate with young folks who are in the middle of such turbulence. Mm-hmm. They're in the middle of decision making, yeah. especially with our college crew. They're, mean, they're launching. Exactly. There's a sense of like super uncertainty in that age. There's not a whole lot of stability. Mm-hmm. Lots of changing on them. Culture's changing. They're changing. Right. Yeah. And so that's probably really, really a message of real peace. Absolutely. There's hope, right? Yeah, I and mean, hope. When you hope look, peace and hope, yeah. Yeah, when you look at a college student's life or a young adult, 18, 19-year-old, that life stage is all up in the air. Yeah. You know, you you're you have a job, but you know it's not your career. You're in community college, and you know in about two and a half years you're going to have to transfer. So you're left on your toes, so where do you look to at that age to grab hold of something that you can grab hold of? Right. And the life of Abraham shows us, and it showed us even in College Crew when we've been going through this process of reading it, like, okay, the Lord keeps us safe That's so good. and sound. That's safe so knowing good. that everything around you may look like it's going to come at you, but you know who you're standing upon and leaning in. And sound in the sense of, the chaotic noise around us, there is a still small voice that believes in us, and that is our creator. And that, to me, and I know to a lot of this younger generation that have gone through this book, is that, all right, we can get through this because we know God is with us. us. Yeah, right. that's so good. Well, thanks for all that you do to pour into all the young people, my daughter included. My daughter is in. I love her. She's in your, uh, in in the high school ministry. So I I have a deep affection and appreciation Mm -hmm. for the ministry that you guys are doing. And um, so thanks for all that. And thanks for stopping by. It's been fun. All right. Okay. I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Let's do this. Okay. You gotta sit a little closer, David. Okay. I don't, okay. Um, uh, welcome to the afterword. I'm here with Jay Kim and David Kim, both of you here yeah. in the room. Yep. Very exciting. So, guys, you both preached quite a bit through the Abraham series, and I'm just fi- as we leave the book, as we leave the series, what kinds of things stick with you? Like, what what are you gonna take away from the book? Oh, what are you gonna take away from the series? What'd you learn from the life of Abraham? David, you kind of you shared something earlier yeah. that um, kind of stuck out to you, so. Yeah, I've always had a hard time understanding, like, practical. I'm a very practical guy, and I always had a hard time understanding what does it mean to actually love God Mm. practically, like, day to day. And, you know, is it just emotional thing? Like, how much, like, excitement that you have for Jesus when you think about his name? Or is it, like, reading a ton of scripture, you know, singing a ton of songs? But then I... I found the book and the series to be really helpful because it gave me some actionable, practical guidelines yeah. on how to follow and love God through the life of Abraham. And I found that to be pretty helpful for my own journey. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I remember when Gary presented it to our class, I was like, oh, this is actionable. This is exactly it. It was immediately, mm. the. it's like I had the same feeling like, and this was like more than a year ago. So it was like, yeah. but I was like, man, this is exactly what I needed because I needed the actionable and not just actionable, but measurable. Am I doing this well? Yeah. You know, am I, it, is there something that's a, I'm not trusting God with, is there a chance I, I have to be more loyal or show my allegiance to Jesus? Is there a way I can practice justice and really help people? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, Jay, what about you? What kind of stuff sticks yeah. out? Yeah. Uh, I guess my mind's connected I, um, I've thought a lot about, you know, you, Dave, you, you write in the book about, uh, the biblical concept of faith, 
mm-hmm. you know, and faithfulness. And you talk about in the book the Greek word pistis, mm-hmm. and how in the in the sort of modern world we've misunderstood that word. You know, we hear the word faith and we think about an in, intellectual belief system or or a, or a mental assent yeah. to sort of in our minds conceptually believing something to be true factual uh but it's actually you know you unpack really helpfully in the book that biblically speaking faith is actually not less than that but it's way more than that that faith is um actually faithfulness you know not just faith in fact those two words in the bible we find both those words faith and faithfulness in the New Testament, it's always the same word. It's just, they're the same. Yeah. And I think that's helpful because in English, we parse them out. Mm. So yeah. an example that's been helpful for me is, uh, uh, you know, a wife may say of her um, husband who is cheating on her. She may say, I have faith that he loves me even though he's being unfaithful do you know what i mean like we're able to parse it out what what that statement means is in my mind i believe that he has love toward me but in his embodied actions he's not expressing Mm. that love toward me so we're able to do the dance like you can have faith in a particular thing that it's true in some intellectual capacity uh even though in, in embodied reality it's it's not being expressed as truth right you know um and in the Bible, it's never parsed out that way. Like, if you have faith in God, you're you, faithful to you God. You will be faithful. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. a lack of faithfulness to God is a lack, is a lack of faith, faith in God. God. And that's the thing, again, the practicality, yeah. you know, that loving God, I think we've sort of understood it as a mental ascent or maybe an emotional feeling. And we've detached it from a practical yeah. sort of whole body what does it life. Mean? Yeah. And what Abraham, the series and his life and these stories, what they've done for me is they've reminded me and reemphasized to me, no, the two cannot be detached. If we love God, then we love God with our whole selves mm-hmm. in our actions and our decisions uh, in the way we live, you know, every day, practically. That's how you love God. It's not just, yes, I love God with my heart, you know? Yeah. yeah I mean, it certainly is that, but it's it's not less than that, but it's more than that. And uh, that's been really convicting for me. Yeah. Well, one of, it was interesting as we were writing the book, um, one of the edits that came back was pretty harsh from Brashears. He said, um, as we were doing this work on this Pistis word group, and there's a lot of work. Matthew Bates is probably the most yeah. famous scholar yeah. who's done this. The idea of the Pistis word group is that it has both trust and his word, allegiance. Yes. And Brashear's like, you can't use the word allegiance. It's too weird. Use the word loyalty. Mm. It's better. It ties back to the, the Old Testament word has said, which is loyal, covenantal mm. love. People will get loyalty. Allegiance is strong. Is, is too weird. It's a bridge too far. Yeah. So he encouraged me. But as I read the New Testament, as I read it, when I see faith, I translate it in my head now, trust in allegiance because mm. for me allegiance is actionable right it's mm. the sense that there's a king and i'm his loyal servant right yeah. so for me that's been really helpful for other people allegiance brings up weird like political words yeah. or cult words yeah. but for me it's been helpful but so we changed it to loyalty but yeah. for me that's that's been a huge thing now when i read the new testament when 
when Paul talks about Abraham's faith, for me, I translate it trust and allegiance, which is his response to the very good work of God. So that's been really helpful for me too. All right. Anything else? Um, Personally, as I was preparing for, I think, I think it's Genesis 16 about kind of the relational dynamics as they're waiting for the promise to unfold Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar's relationships. Mm. Um, yeah, just personally, I, I realize that, that when I wait uh, for God to move, I like to just take control of the situation. So I resonated a lot to Sarah, just like making things happen. And I like to take matters into my own hands. And mm. so it was a, a personal, on a personal level, like as we talk about just being practical in our faith. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of examined last two years of my own journey here with the global pandemic and how much of my own journey, like instead of being patient and waiting and submitting and surrendering to Jesus, like how much of my actions was it a little bit grabby and trying to, yeah, trying to like manipulate and force certain things to happen. And it was a great invitation from Jesus to just allow me to just kind of process that and, and repent and, and realign my yes. my allegiance, my loyalty, that it is God who leads my life. And it is God who will finish the work and the promises that he has given to all of us, that he will finish it. And that once I uh, um, become impatient and just try to <laughs> do it my way, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever like fully get it. I, I think it will be a lifelong journey for me and especially my own personality typing. But it's been really helpful for me to That's just um, reflect and re- repent and process that. It also is a way of trusting. If you yeah. think about it, it's not just loyalty. It's also trust. It's it's hard work. Yeah, I totally, I totally get you. I totally get you. And that's, I think, the Silicon Valley is kind of a grabby, make it happen, work harder kind yeah. of environment. So it's the cultural stream that we are taken. It, it moves us down. So mm. that, that's true. Yeah. Dude, thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank for you. yeah Thank you for writing the book. Oh, yeah. it's really cool. Putting it together. Yeah, it was yeah, super helpful. Really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. For our community. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Bye. Bye. All right. Hey, everybody. We're here with Steve Clifford. Steve. Hello. 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 Oh man. Okay. So, this has been a journey of like nine, ten weeks. More than that, if you think about all the preparation oh, totally. and all the meetings and yeah. the things that we've discussed, we've been talking about this for over a year. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. So now that it's done, I just wondered, like, what kind of stuff, as you think about the series, sticks out to you as something maybe you'll take or something that you think was important for this moment, for this church in this time, or for you in this time? In yeah, this time? Um, you know, confession is Abraham, although he was, I knew he was a character in the scriptures and I knew he's a big deal. He wasn't really one that I was drawn to. Huh. I mean, I like I like Moses better. I mean, I like David better. I mean, if you talk about the big three, it's Abraham, Moses, and David. And, I, and Abraham was in third place. And what's changed for me is um, how much I appreciate and how important Abraham is. Mm. I mean, if you think about it, the Abraham Isaac story and the the foreshadowing of the Christ child and and the and the the suffering servant to be sacrificed for us all of those things i mean are tied so pivotal to the story of Abraham but it's way deeper than that for me i mean if you go to let's say you go to where Abraham is mentioned in the new testament he's mentioned like in a giant way it's not just his name 
There's right. a lot. Yeah. Like Acts chapter 7, Stephen begins what I believe is the longest um, recorded speech yeah. in, the, in the New Testament. Yeah. And he begins with Abraham as the first element of why people are missing the, the Christ. Yeah. And then you go to Romans, and basically Paul lays out this beautiful argument at the end of chapter 3 that justification is like available apart from the law by grace alone for all people of the world and given in total justice. And then exhibit A is Abraham. Is A for Abraham. In chapter 4, the whole chapter is about how Abraham is the example of how justification is being brought into the world by a gracious God. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, then you go to Hebrews 11. And Abraham shows up again, and he shows up in a major narrative. I mean, it's not just a little bit of the chapter that's given to Abraham's story. So he's, you can't, you know, I, I tend to lean towards Old New Testament, and, and my, even in my personal study, I tend to lean there um, and enjoy it more. And, um, but you can't, you can't even begin to read. Uh, the New Testament, or grasp the story of what Jesus has done for us if you don't have an, a, a good understanding of what Abraham does and what Abraham's life in Isaac's showed about the character of God. So the, yeah. those that's the thing for me is that Abraham has just jumped, not to the top, okay, I got to admit, David's still <laughs> probably my, you know, he's my favorite. Is he your favorite Old Testament character? Yeah, he's my favorite oh. Old Testament character. He's close to my favorite biblical character. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know, I really, I, I just like you know, he's the very, narrative around him. Sure, he's got all the songs he wrote. He was who the doesn't want to be the yeah, the, he, he's the, the man, the the artistic warrior, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, this dude is is. But Abraham has certainly toppled up, gotten up there to where he's right behind mm-hmm. him, if if not tied with him. What about Abraham's life right now in this cultural moment for our church right now? What what stands out? Like if somebody were to ask you, like, why is this story important to us, right? What do you think it's, like, doing or calling out in us? Yeah, I, I don't think um, I don't think you can talk to a pluralistic culture, which we are certainly in. When you think about Abraham is a major character in three of the top five religions of the world. Right. Abraham is claimed as a prophet by three religions of the top five. I mean, it, nobody's like that. Yeah, there's no other character. There's no character yeah. like that. When mm-hmm. Judaism, uh, Muslim, Islam, and uh, and of course Christianity. Um, so one of the things is is it's good to have a working knowledge of his life, and to so that you can speak into a broader spectrum than just our little. Even though it doesn't feel like it, because we this is the air we breathe. You know, we live in our niche of of religion, world religions. Mm-hmm. Our niche is fairly specific. I mean, we are evangelical, Christ-following, Bible-honoring uh, Christians. And even those three phrases are unique to Christianity. Yeah. Um, and so I think it helps broaden your understanding and tying the Old and New Testament together in, mm-hmm. in ways that you can't. You cannot do it unless you have an understanding of Abraham. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Any, cl- any closing words for um, the series as you think about it? Yeah, the closing words would be a thank you to you. Oh. I know that this was tons of work to write this book, <laughs> seriously, and um, lots of meetings, and um, it's made us all better. Oh, well, thanks. It's made us all better. Well, so it's made thank me you. better, too. Thank you for your work. It was great. All right. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. 
All right, we're here for the very last time in our Abraham series with Sarah Lee. Sarah, all good things must come to an end, I suppose. Uh, I, is that the expression? Uh, that doesn't seem biblically accurate, actually. That's what they say, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, but all all sermon series has to come to a close, that's for sure. So as we kind of ended, uh, as we end and close our time with Abraham, um, I, you've been with this project since almost the very, very beginning, um, with the exception of like the, the rough draft where we just kind of sent out the, the, the prospectus on what the book might even be like. You've been involved in the process since... The beginning we're talking january of this year so it's been almost almost a whole year if you think about it it's been the almost the entire year you've been sitting with this editing this thinking about this researching this and yeah. walking through this again no one has been more involved in this project i think besides me than you so so when you think about this uh just what kind of stuff are you taking away right now just as in this moment in time now i know if we revisit the story of Abraham in five years, it's going to be entirely different. That's just the yeah. way the scripture is. It's active yeah. and living. But right now at this time, in this moment, like what kinds of things are going through your heart and your head? Yeah. The first thing is the subtitle of the book, A Field Guide to Loving God. And, you know, we played with titles and had a lot of different ideas. Um, and one of them was a compass, yeah. and it, which is very similar to a field guide. Um, but the whole point was that it's God doesn't give us like those exact GPS coordinates. He just, he gives us a guide. He doesn't give us a map. Not an exact map. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But the, the compass, the field guide, that's enough. Like that's, it's more than enough. That's, um, yeah, it's enough. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I remember during that period we were talking about titles, Psalm 19 just came across my way one day and I was reading it in the message and verses uh, seven through nine really stuck out. It says the revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. And if you skip down to verse 11, there's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way? And it was just such a great confirmation, so like the signposts, the life maps, the directions, the warning, the um, finding All our way, things. like the, yep. the field guide was, I think, a biblical concept that we were um, pursuing in this project. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> there's more God. Yeah, I love this. Otherwise, how will we find our way? And, and that's one of the things that has just stuck out to me is you know, with God, without God's revelation, we're just lost. Like if he, his, we're just lost. And so it's, we're talking not just the revelation of scripture, the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of God in nature. There's all sorts of ways that God reveals himself, but particularly that we're talking about here, this beautiful story of Abraham and, right. and what it teaches us. That's cool. Yeah. I remember uh, we went compass and we talked about, uh, remember the working title was Abrahamic righteousness. And everyone's like, that's the worst title in the history of the world. And I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, I, I I'm not good at titles. You got to help me out here. That's funny. Um, you also were talking and you said something about, um, how even in your life group, as you were talking about this and processing this, there were some connections that your, your, uh, your life group had, uh, between kind of the four lessons. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, we really found this connection between lessons number one and three, and then two and four. So lesson oh, one, yeah. 
lesson right. one's be loyal even if it costs you mm -hmm. lesson three is seek justice love what's right do what's right help set things right yeah and so uh, the way we saw it is it's is talking to they're both talking about active faith so loyalty obedience seeking justice these are just all expressions and very active components of our faith it's being faithful it's the faithfulness that you yeah. know, we talked about a few weeks ago yeah uh, and then numbers two and four the lessons trust, trust god even when life doesn't make sense and expect mm -hmm. god to be good even when life falls apart are two and four right right and so those subtitles though when it doesn't make sense and life falls apart like they go together because it doesn't make sense when life falls apart and yeah. what are we to do is to trust and expect god to be good it's all about it's not just cognitive, but I mean, it does start there that like we, we trust and we know God and his love because he is trustworthy. We can trust him. Um, what, what other stuff as you kind of reflect on this, on this process and this, in this book in the life of Abraham kind of jumps out at you. Yeah. Another thing is how uh, recently the Bible project has their podcast series is talking about the paradigms and and they pointed out that, you know, often we, when we talk about wisdom literature, we just think about certain books of the Bible, like Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Um, but they're really saying that God's word, like all of it, think of all of the poems, narrative, the Proverbs, the parables, the letters, apocalypses, like all of it is God's wisdom. Yeah. And so, you know, taking that into this um, Abraham book and series, that this story is going to shape, it's this practical knowledge, it's gonna shape our actions and our life choices. And I think that you started with that in as introduction or chapter one, that loving God has some real life application and some implications that it's, yeah. again, it's not cognitive, it's, it is, but then it's more, it's gonna really affect the way that we live. Yeah, that's that's really good. And and think about how much the story of Abraham affected the development of our faith. I mean, his story is so important. And not only yeah. Yeah, it's not only in learning about who God is, it, which of course it is, but also how he wants to interact with humans um and his invitation yeah. to us. And sometimes Abraham gets that beautifully right. And other times he doesn't. But in all those situations as you think about them, like, I don't want to, it's like, sometimes you say, you know, be like Abraham. I don't think that that's exactly the right call because sometimes it's like, be like Abraham, except when he gets it wrong and then be the opposite of Abraham Yeah. or be like Jesus, I suppose, or reflect on how Abraham shows uh, a, a partial way to be faithful to God and Jesus does it perfect. Or, you know, there's all sorts of ways to think about it, but which I like that word you just said reflect. And I think that's the point. Like we said, like Abraham's not a hero, yeah. but his story is a mirror so that yeah. we can self-evaluate. And, and sometimes we'll, we're going to match up when, with him when he's doing right. And then sometimes we'll match up with you when he's doing wrong. Yeah. But that all of that is going to guide us and to reflect God's ethical character. Yeah. What, one, one other thing that was pretty staggering um, that, you know, I've been sitting on and reflecting on a lot is this language that Abraham was a friend of God. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the reason why is because a loyal servant is one thing, but friend is something different. Faithful, 
religious devotee is one thing, but right. friend is different, right? Right. And there's an element in this of God's, like the fact that God likes and delights in people, um, including, including me, that I think is really hard for people to believe. Um, and that's been really, that's been really sitting with me um, that this, this, the invitation of God is, is for some, it, whenever you think about Abraham, you think about his God. And whenever, weirdly enough, whenever we think about our God, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jesus, even yeah, yeah. in that, they're tied relationally in some rich way. And that there's something about, now we get more of that later. David shows, um, he, if David is anything, he is confident that God delights in him, even yeah. when he messes up royally. It's one of the most beautiful and insane aspects of David's life, ministry, and words. Uh, but you get that also with, with Abraham. And so I've just been thinking about that. Like, why, why should I be loyal, trust God, seek justice, expect God to be good? And I think part of it um, is just his goodness to, to Abraham, not just his goodness, but like he, he likes Abraham for reasons that I'm not even sure I can articulate. He just, just like, like, why do you love your kids? Like there are times when they're just hard to love, but you, so what? It, it's just, you love your kids. You just do. And that's just the end of it. So that aspect of it um, has been really impactful to me, you know? Yeah. I have the four cards hanging up on my fridge, you know, those, those four placards. And uh, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to leave them up on my fridge until they, uh, they yellow or uh, <laughs> they fade. I've um, heard from multiple people that want to frame them, that they want to use them as bookmarks continue yeah. to be reminded of these lessons yeah it's been it's, really good uh, what about all those um hebrew words and the definitions that we went through oh man oh yeah so the, yeah the definitions of the word studies were really fascinating because we had um Siddikon mishpat that was a huge one that was for the justice we also looked at pistis yeah for faith for faith that was a huge redefinition um, love right the, right god Elohim right. And <laughs> you remember, yeah there was that moment when when i just had a breakdown i was like wait we're talking about god and i haven't even defined him we had to go through that whole because the word god is mushy the word right. love is mushy you know so that was yeah that was that's foundational and that's probably a whole book or seven <laughs> you know um yeah all those all that stuff and also in and at the end um, just the idea of um, when we talked at the very end, we talked about the idea of grace. We gave the definitions of what a gift is and how right. gift isn't just, just, oh, take it and receive it. But also some, some gifts are so good, they demand a response. So even the word grace has been redefined in the, in my mind, in my heart, you know? Yeah. There's was, so much. Ahead. Yeah. It was just really helpful to, to, I think those words, you know, I don't know Hebrew or Greek fluently or I don't know it at all actually I just know a few words here and there but that just always reminds me that this scripture was written in an ancient context to an ancient people I'm not an ancient Israelite I'm not even an ancient like Corinthian or you know like right. even the New Testament like we just have an appreciation for translation and that understanding language changes over time yeah we 
there's lots of examples of words that have changed in the last, gosh, even the last 10 years, but for sure, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, language changes. And it's okay to dig into that stuff and really try to better articulate and um, understand what those original authors were trying to get at. And I think the reason that's so helpful for me is it's really, it's the, the grammar and the history that reinforces what's already there in the story and helps make sense of these things. So it's all there. Um, you yeah. just have to, you just have to dig, dig up. It's not even a, it's not even that much, you know, it wasn't even that much. Um, but it really does kind of add color to, and, and really help me. Yeah, and I think like, even though there are all those details and lessons, there's still so much to learn. No, nope, I mean, we exhausted the entire thing. Do you, realize, <laughs> do you realize, I bet we could at least get two or three more sermons out of the stuff that's on the cutting room floor that we didn't even talk about. Easily. Yeah, we just didn't, we just didn't have time to go into all of it. But just, but, you know, yeah, reading Abraham's story or any other part of the Bible, how it's, there's so much mystery and I'm just learning, like, I'm okay with that, like that hmm. it's inviting us to come back and that there's a tension to hold. There's paradox that we need to embrace that we don't have to explain away everything. Huh. And but that, man, if we could simplify, I don't want to simplify the gospel, but you're like, if one lesson it's loving God, like that's our, that's whole point of looking at Abraham's story. And, you know, Jesus said, what is the greatest commandment is to love yeah. God and love your neighbor as yourself. So if we could come back to that and remember that his gospel is that he loves us so much. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And then that gives us the capacity to love others. When you talk about mystery, I'm wondering, are you talking about like just the idea that there's so much more, always more like they're like those. Have you ever seen those people that are scuba divers in the Florida Keys and they go in those underground caves that are in Florida and they go back for like dozens and hundreds of miles in these labyrinths? Yeah, that's kind of how I view like the deeper we got, the more connected we saw this, the more the more astonished we were at finding connections. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even, even at my sermon um, this past weekend, I was teaching on Abraham and Isaac. And do you remember the ram is caught in the thicket? Yeah. And it says the ram was caught with its head in the thorny thicket. Mm -hmm. And somebody came up and said, hey, you know who else's head had a thorn of thickets around it? The, oh, the ram, really? the ram wow. that was, that, that would take away the sins of the world. And I had not made that connection of no, the, the crown of thorns. I, do you see what I mean? Wow. It's, it's never ending. It's like, is that what you're referring to with mystery or is it just, or is there more to it? Not just that there's always more to learn, but to, you're kind of finite and you need, what, what was, what did you mean by that more? It's that, it's that there's always more to learn, but it's also that we are human. We are not God. And just, we're never, I think it was Augustine who said, like, if you can explain it, it's not God. Like just something to that right. effect. That's not a quote, but you know, right, right. But there's always more to learn, but then we'll never learn it all. Like even <laughs> right like yeah. in our lifetime. Right. And I, somebody gave an example of like math where, yeah, a first grader can do basic math and that's awesome. And then you can learn math all throughout your school, elementary, middle school, high school, even college, you could go to be a professional, you know, have a career in like super advanced math or even there's always something more to learn. So yeah. that was just a helpful way to approach the Bible. I don't like that. how you tied it to math. I don't, I don't uh, yeah. like that analogy. I think that, no, <laughs> I no, like that's, that's true. Yeah, I know. I know. No, that's good. 
Well, also another side of this is, and this is going to sound strange, but my finiteness and your finiteness means that I can tell a sliver of what God is up to. But if, if I listen to your life and your reflections and then another person next to you and all, all of a sudden we're, we're starting to get, there's like an infinite number of facets that God is doing and has done and has shown. And if we come together as this diverse group of men and women and old and young and different ethnicities from across the globe and listen to each other, we can get a more clear idea of like what God is up to and what's he doing, his revelation in our lives, and also what you pull out of the revelation as you see and study scripture. And there's just so it's, it really does feel fairly infinite, you know, it feels, and maybe that's why, you know, the hereafter will be so long. Because yeah. the, the exploring of God's goodness and all those kinds of things was going to take a really, 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 really long time. Yeah, that's good. And that, you know, that goes back to the Shema when in Deuteronomy 6, 5, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he said, talk about it with your family. Talk yeah. about it when you're on the road, when you're, yeah. when you rise, when you lie down. It is yeah. supposed to be communal, not just personal and individual. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Well, I tell you what, this past year, nothing has been more fun than thinking through and talking through this stuff with um, the folks at Westgate, but and also especially you. So thanks for all the just hours of back and forth. And uh, I hope it was as, as fun as for me as it was for you. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this project. It was awesome. I All had right. a blast. Yeah, I did too. All right. Well, thanks, Sarah. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. We're going to go into Christmas and now. And so we get to reflect on, we're going to jump all the way to the New Testament. So uh, right to the, right to the Jesus birth narrative. So we'll, we'll start delving into that pretty soon. So can't wait for that too. Fantastic. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, folks. Well, that's it for me. And uh, that's it for this episode of The Afterward. And that's it for this entire sermon series. Man, what a journey it's been. And I just want to say, I hope it's been as great of an experience for you to go through the life of Abraham as it was for me. Just want to thank everybody at Westgate, all the teachers that we talked to today, Ruth and Jay and David and Steve, and also Sarah Lee. And just thank you guys for coming along on this journey with us. And as we go, as you walk into this next week, and as you prepare for Thanksgiving and the final month of this year, and as even as you prepare to walk into 2022, which is weird to say that I feel like I still haven't processed 2020. So anyway, as you walk into the future, you and I both know that there's no guarantees in life. We have no idea what's coming next. So as we walk into an uncertain future, I pray that we would take the lessons of Abraham to heart and that you and I, both individually and collectively, will be a people who model this to the world, just like Abraham modeled it to us, that we will be a people whose loyalty and allegiance is to God above all else, and that we will be a people who trust and obey God and his word, even if it doesn't seem to make sense to us. That you and I will be people who seek justice, that we do what's right, we love what's right, and we help set things right. And that finally, when life falls apart, and it will fall apart, there will be a people who remind each other that God is good, and that he is at work even if we cannot see him or even fathom 
how any good could possibly come out of this. Because if God is great at one thing, it is bringing life where there was no life before. Bringing light when it seemed like all was dark. God is really good at doing that. He is good. And may we believe that to the core of our beings. So, for all of us here, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.